Hello, listeners, and thank you so much for tuning in to the Kings for Christ podcast, where we read through scripture together and then discuss the things that stood out to us, as well as answer questions anyone may have. I would encourage you to open your Bible with us so we can read together. I would also like to invite you to join us live on Zoom every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. The link to our Zoom can be found in our Instagram bio at WeAreK4C. I hope this episode blesses you and helps you grow with your relationship with your Heavenly Father. All right. Everybody, we thank you for joining us for a uh, another K4C Bible study. And uh, this week, um, we will be going through 1 Timothy chapter 6. Um, this is the final chapter of 1 Timothy. And so uh, before we get into it, um, does anybody want to pray us in to get us started with this? I can. Dear Lord Jesus, we uh, want to come to you as humbly as we know how to, to say um, thank you for allowing us to come together again, dear Lord. Um, we ask that as we uh, have this Bible study that you eliminate all distractions, dear Lord, and keep it protecting angels around us as we spend more time with you and learn more about you and your word. And then um, not only that, then apply it to our daily lives to um, to show and give you glory, dear Lord. Um, we ask that in all these things we ask in Jesus' name we pray that will be done. Amen. 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 Uh, <clears throat> so as always, we're going to uh, read through the chapter uh, and discuss it, discuss things that come up for us. Um, and there are, it looks like 21 verses in this chapter. Uh, so maybe we all just need like three, three or four verses each um, to get through it. Um, so yeah. All right. And uh, so I guess I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead and get started. All slaves should show full respect for their masters so they would not bring shame on the name of God and his teaching. If the masters are believers, that is no excuse for being disrespectful. Those slaves should work all the harder because their efforts are helping other believers who are well-loved. Teach these things, Timothy, and encourage everyone to obey them. Some people may contradict our teaching, but these are the wholesome teachings of Jesus Christ. These teachings promote a godly life. <clears throat> anyone who teaches something different is arrogant and lacks understanding. Such a person has an unhealthy desire to quibble over the meaning of words. This stirs up arguments ending in jealousy, division, slander, and evil suspicions. These people always cause trouble. Their minds are corrupt and they have turned their backs on the truth. To them, a show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great gain. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world, to the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them from plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the truth faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. But you, Timothy, are a man of God. So run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the, enter, to the eternal life to which God has called you which have confessed so well before many witnesses. And I charge you before God, 
who gives life to all, and before Christ Jesus, who gave a good testimony before Pontius Pilate, that you obey this command without wavering, then no one can find fault with you from now until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. For at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God, the King of all kings and Lord of all lords. He alone can never die. And he lives in light so brilliant that no human can approach him. No human eye has ever seen him, nor ever will. All honor and power to him forever. Amen. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. Avoid godless, foolish discussions with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge. Some people have wandered from the faith by following such foolishness. May God's grace be with you all. I was gonna say, what, um, what, are, what are our thoughts on this beginning part where it's talking about the slaves? I knew that was gonna come up. That's, <laughs> that's good though, because people always talk about how slavery is brought up in the Bible or how we, uh, especially us as like, um, as black people, African-Americans, that's a very sensitive topic, obviously. And so for the Bible to, some people say that the Bible condones slavery. Some people say that back then in slavery times, they used the Bible to justify slavery. Um, and so, and then we see in this chapter six that they say slaves should show full respect for their masters. So yeah, like what does that, what does that mean? You know? I've always looked at um, slavery in the Bible whenever it's mentioned as indentured servitude, which essentially is someone who owes some type of debt to someone. And in order for them to pay their debt off, they have to work for this individual to pay it off. And in order for like, um, well, no, not, not, let me rephrase that. Indentured servitude really wasn't a thing of masters abusing their slaves, but more so them understanding what this, I guess, business thing is, is going on right now. You owe me something, you can't afford it, or you can't pay it back, so you're going to work to pay it off. Mm. So it was almost like a mutual thing, like, I don't have the money, but hey, you're, you're going to let me do this so I can pay it off, so let's do, let's do that instead. So essentially, it's like, the people who are considered slaves, like, of course, you shouldn't be treating this person poorly or not giving them respect. Because in, in one sense, it's like they're kind of almost looking out for you because they're providing another way for you to, to pay out the debt as opposed to just like um, taking it to another another man. I, I agree. I agree with that. And also it made me think of when we 
had went to the ARC, the ARC encounter, and it had a section that specifically said, asked the question, was the Bible used to promote racism and, and slavery? And if here it says, um, I, I like took a picture, it says, sadly, some profession, some professing Christians have misused passages of the Bible to spread racist ideas such as slavery based on a person's skin tone or the notion that interracial marriage is sinful. But what does the Bible really teach on these matters? Number one, we are all created by God. We are all created by God as referenced in Genesis chapter two, verse seven. Number two, we are all made in God's image. Genesis chapter one, verse 26 through 27. And then what I didn't know, what I found out was that uh, that the Bible references that we are all one race, the human race, right? And then, of course, John three sixteen, we are all loved by God equally, and God shows no favoritism. Um, and then also just the fact that we are all uh, descendants um, from from Adam, and then later from from Noah. As such, we are all members of one human race. And so. Um, maybe it's also a thing to think about that God didn't intend for us to be slaves, but that was a thing that came out of um, a birth out of sin, birth out of humans, um, creating this context of like slavery, but that whole thing does not come from, come from God. I don't, I wouldn't imagine it. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree for sure. Um, there is another passage i believe it's in ephesians and ephesians 6 it says slaves obey your earthly masters uh, with respect and fear with sincerity of heart just as you would obey christ doing the will of god oh i'm sorry obey them not only to win their favor with their eye when their eye is on you but as slaves of christ doing the will of god from your heart serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward you, each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. To me, that it's, it's kind of, a, of an interesting uh, verse because to me, it's, it's showing that, that God is telling us to do this because it's almost a way of, not almost, it is a way of showing us or showing other people our allegiance to Christ and how we are, ought to serve the Lord. Um, so if we're, we're doing this, it's, it's like a sign of like, God, I, I can, I can submit to, to you as well. Like, um, I'm, I'm doing this almost as like a, a form of worship of showing that, that Lord, I, I honor you, um, by serving this, this man as well, or whoever they may be enslaved to at the time. But yeah, I think it's important to understand that indentured servitude was not, was not something that would we think of with, with cattle or chattel slavery that we have seen in American history, where slaves are being abused and not not fed or nourished properly, um, beaten, all type of stuff. Like that's not what was going on here. I think it's also interesting too, and it's not it's not a, com a complete thought, but we we see that type of slavery where it's like you're working to pay off debt in the Bible, but we also see you know the Israelites being enslaved in Egypt and the different points where the Israelites were disobedient to God and they ended up being captive 
by different other uh, like other countries and stuff like that and that type of slavery is different from um being you know working to pay back because that type of slavery is you know you're being oppressed by another country you're being beaten and some of them were killed and you know in egypt in egypt they was like praying to god to free them and things like that and so with that being said it's like can slavery be seen as a punishment that we bring to ourselves you know in a, in a way where it's like you know because it can almost be seen as like a, a punishment it can be seen as something that we got we've gotten ourselves into because we've turned our back on God and now we're left at our on our own and now we're being captive by whatever is out there I guess that can get us I don't know um what, what, what do y'all think about that it was something that I was like thinking about you see what uh happened to Eve mm. right I mean men God gave dominion to man Dominion means to rule and to subjugate. Slavery in what Paul is talking about, if you just look at a ruler, it means the absolute ruler of you. Uh, Eve was not ruled by Adam until she fell, mm-hmm. right? So, so, so I don't think men were ever designed to rule one another. God was designed to rule men, right? So I think, uh, like, like you guys say, um, um, slavery is a result of men falling. And if you think about it, the absolute ruler of this world, of this world, is Satan, right? So we all fall under different rulers at different times. And, and it's difficult because you kind of kind of see where Paul mentions in this, in this, in this beginning. He's, he's he has to tell them a few times. He tells them here, he tells Timothy in this letter. Uh, Zeke, Zeke saw, he tells us in Ephesians, and then he told uh, those in Coloss the same thing. So obviously it's hard, right, to, 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 to be working for people, whether it's your boss, right, whether it's your pastor, whether it's, you know, anybody who, uh, whether it's somebody who's running this Bible study, right? You've you, you got to serve like, I like what Zeke says, like you serve Christ, Right. And, and and it says they have their master in heaven too. Right. So so God's all of our all of our rulers, right? He's our king, king of king and lord of lords. But we we find ourselves in situations. And, and I like you say, Eddie, sometimes we put ourselves in those situations, right? We because of our disobedience to God or you know, but yeah. But it's tough. Obviously, it's tough, or else Paul wouldn't have mentioned it three times. In different letters, it's tough. I um, looked up some of it on the Blue Letter Bible, um, and this right here is an outline of biblical usage. So, essentially, another um, meaning when the Bible is referring to, to slavery, um, and it says, "One who gives himself up, himself up to another's will." Those, I'm sorry, let me start over. One who gives himself up to another's will. Those whose service is used by Christ in extending and advancing his cause among men. To me, I, I think it's it's interesting because it just further shows how God can literally use anyone or any situation to 
share the love of God, talk about his glory and what he can provide and just being aligned with Christ and um, really just advancing the gospel. And so essentially it's to me, this is saying that like slavery um, and in the biblical sense was something that could be used by Christ in extending and advancing his cause or advancing the kingdom. So you may look, we, we could look at something as slavery as something that's like, you know, not a, not a great thing, not a beautiful thing, but it's still able to be used by Christ and used by God to, to tell people about him and grow the kingdom of heaven. Because I, I think of it too as like, um, I'm sure there were probably some, some slaves who, knowing what their situation is, knowing what they need to do, um, still not really serving the way that they, they ought to, like constantly being upset or, or grumpy or complaining about stuff, being upset with their, you know, the slaveholder. Um, but if there is a, a master who sees a servant who is just different, who's just acting in a, in a way that's, you know, they're joyful, they're not complaining, they're, they're showing them respect. That's an opportunity for them to be like, wow, there's something different about you. Like, why are you acting like this? Well, hey, let me tell you about Christ. Because this is why I'm acting like this. It's, it's also interesting to that, like, in the way that we are, uh, we would be expected to act if we were slaves. It also addresses the way masters should act, too, towards slaves. You know, in that same uh, chapter you brought up with Ephesians, I think it's 6-9, it was like... Um, in the same way masters, you know, be good to your slaves and stuff like that. Um, so I thought like that is interesting. And also like what you said about, I guess, the attitude that we should have when um, under someone's rule, um, being willing to serve, willing to give it our best, willing to um, take orders and carry them out. And, uh, I mean, I, knowing as we develop a relationship with God, knowing what kind of master he is, you become more and more willing to, you know, be obedient. You know that he's the kind of master that will take care of you, that will, you know, guide you and things like that. And so um, is that, dude, and I, just another question I have is like, does, also does he reference these things because that's the kind of language that the people that, that at that time will understand too, you know, or is it like, I think about that too. Like sometimes there's certain language that is used because that was the, that was the common thing at that time. And, um, and also while, while we understand it now, I don't know, we're just so sensitive about that kind of language now where it's like to the right, to the right person, they'd be like, what what is this what is this bible like i don't want to read that you know yeah, but i think he, he he speaks to if you really think about it right it's he he's speaking to people in all situations we we, we, we are all black people right in the united states and 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 most likely unless you came from the island well i mean <laughs> if you're in western the United, if, if, if you are in the Western part of the world and you're black, most likely you, your, your ancestors were slaves, right? And, uh, and he's speaking to us 
to any slave at, at, at any time in the world. Joseph was a slave. His brother sold him into slavery, right? Um, and, and he's inspiring us, right, to, to, to let us know that, hey, yes, you, you can end up being a slave, you, 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 but you, you have a master in heaven who he doesn't, he, he, you aren't his slave because he, uh, he purchased you in order to, in order to benefit uh, him financially. No, he purchased you with his blood because he loves you, 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 you know, and, and, and embrace that love. And because I, I, I tell you, I, I, I'm, I wasn't a slave, but I think, I don't know, but the thing that must have helped a lot of our ancestors make it through slavery is God, right, 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 right. Just the fact that he shows up, right, and even though you have an evil slave master or whomever that, that that's using you for whatever, God shows up, right? He 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 can't stop the the, the slaves from 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 getting to know God and and giving them hope and giving them inspiration and one day delivering them and, and, and kind of letting us as black people know that no matter what happens he's there for us and sometimes i think we kind of shun slavery in the bible but i think sometimes we can embrace it and say i you know my my relatives and my you know my 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 they were slaves and and, and other people in the world uh, the irish Right, they 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 accept it and say, you know what, we were slaves, or Jews, we were persecuted, but God brought us out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's almost like we we should celebrate it and say, hey, we were, but look at look at God, and because of that, we should give more more trust to Him, right? Because because we we live in the United States where we still feel the evidence, we we, we still feel the racism every single day. But we know we have a God that if we serve him, he'll, he'll, he'll get us through. Another thing, and I appreciate you sharing that, Alonzo. Something I was thinking about listening to your questions is that part of the reason why the whole word of slavery to both African-Americans is such a, um, I don't want to say it's such a sensitive point is because the, the, the slavery that our ancestors went through as I've understood it, I don't know everything, is quite unique mm. because when Jews were enslaved, they kept their culture, they kept their families. When Irish were enslaved, they kept their culture, they kept their family. But when the transatlantic slavery took place, of taking people from the continent of Africa into the West, being the Caribbean, or well, the Caribbean, North and South America, they, they took them, destroyed their culture, destroyed their language, destroyed their family structures, and then separate all that, and then threw them there, the main purpose of basically being a workforce. Mm. And then from that, they gained extra play on top of that. So that was the difference. So when people talk about, when the Bible talks about slavery, that's not the kind of slavery that they were, that they were speaking to back then. However, the one concept is the same as that, the slaves served the master unconditionally. And it's showing us actually that when we're, we were brought into the body of Christ, 
He's paid for us by his blood. He owns us, and so now we serve him out of love and devotion, not out of fear and trembling, because mm. we were on our way straight to hell. Didn't know it, had no concept of it, and would have discovered it at the very last minute it was too late to do anything about it. But yet, God, his love and mercy sent his son to die for us, taking our sins upon himself, then taking our his blood, put it on the mercy seat of God, and then advocating for, for us who receive him, be made holy and righteous before a holy God who would accept no sin. So now he who was not, he who was had no sin became sin. So that you and I could be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So regardless of present day, what we see, feel, taste, touch, we have a spiritual inheritance that when we latch into that, overcomes everything. Mm. And so when people want to look at it, they're constantly looking at the effects, the effects, the effects, but not realizing that God is greater than all those effects. Can, can and you tap into him? And you stay in him and love him and serve him, he overcomes all that. But you can't do it in, your, in and of yourself. And most of the time, people look at it and do that in and of themselves. You know, they want to blame someone else. So then when you blame someone else, you don't take the responsibility for yourself of overcoming. And yet we come from stock, who, as Alonzo Bright mentioned, and to some extent you mentioned too, who are very much overcomers. What got them through those times and knew that there was the creator of the universe, that God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but the one that rescued them and would ultimately take care of them. And they saw it even in the, in, the, in the state in which they lived, they saw the evidence of that on a daily basis in various ways. So God was revealing himself to them, even when they didn't necessarily have the word to read, because some couldn't read, or they didn't have the access to it, but they still saw his Move him, his hand upon their lives, moving in them, rescuing them, taking them and guiding them, leading them as they surrender themselves to him. Mm. So for us, to when we share this with other people, it's one of the main things to share is that we don't look at this 400 years of what took place, because that's, if you think about it, that's minute, I hate to say it, in comparison with the slavery of Jews who were there for thousands of years. But yeah, the difference is that 400 years throw the culture, rape the people, I get all that. I'm not trying to minimize that at all. But yet and still, God is still faithful and merciful and worthy of our praise, glory, and honor because look what he did with us in the midst of all of that. It was him. It wasn't ourselves. We were his people, the sheep of his pasture. So it's an encouragement. To me, it's often an encouragement because it, you have to flip the script of how you look at it. You can look at it as, as, as to blame someone else all the time, or you really learn to look at it, look at the hand of God in the midst of all of that, how we've, we've been able to overcome, and then use that as a springboard to go on to grow, grow greater in him. Yeah, one of the best trips I ever took was to Savannah. And, and, and I, if you guys ever get a chance, if you never go to Savannah, and just the history of Savannah, will just show you the power and the influence of the Black church. I, I, I think it's something that we, we, we kind of, as Black people, have 
I, I don't know if we embrace the black. I mean, it, it's just powerful, like how the slaves, like in Savannah, like here's an example of a woman, and, and they tell a story where she, her master, she knew that her master was the children that she raised, right? I mean, it, it, the, the, the families didn't teach their children. It was really Black slave women who were really the teachers of these families, right? So, so they would literally teach these children how to read and how to write, and, and then they would try to slip in to get their own children, you know, trained to, to read and to write. And they knew that one day the, the, the child who they raised would be their master, right? And, and that one day their child could put them in jail, right? But they had like faith, right? And, and then when at the end of slavery, just how all of these Black pastors and clergies really like came together in order to decide, okay, now we want to educate our children, you know, publicly. So, so the, the whole public school in, in reality came from, from, from black slaves who wanted to educate their own children. So, so there's a lot of history in the United States that black people have like really driven. I mean, just look at our culture. It's very driven by Black people and music and art and entertainment and, and, and sports and science and, 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 and everything, the way we cook, the way we, it's, it's shocking. So, so God used these people, our people, to do great things, and he did it through the church. And, and I think sometimes we get away from that as Black people, right? I remember in the 70s, Man, there was a day when back when we were growing up, I, I don't know, in the 70s, everybody went to church. <laughs> I, mean, it was, I mean, rarely did you not go to church. Sunday school was packed. Yeah, right? you might not have been a believer, but you went. You, you, know you went. You didn't have a relationship with God, but you had some type of religious experience like that. Every, every, every Sunday. And, and everything else was closed. You, you couldn't mm -hmm. go to the stores. Everything was closed. But but Sunday was a day of church for Black people. And we stayed in church like for like four, five, six hours easily. We got there at Sunday school early and we didn't, we got there at like, like, like 7.30, 8 for Sunday school. And then we didn't get out to like three or four o'clock in the afternoon, right? And kids sat in the sanctuary and, and, and listened. So the Black church was strong and we had like really great morals, in our societies. But now you had people that were on the fringe who went out and did things, but you know, they were kind of, you know, they, they were still out in the fringe, but it, it was way different, man. Way different. Now the fringe is the norm. Yeah. You know, going to church now and especially staying all day, like you mentioned, that's a very small minority. You're doing good to get people just to come 11 o'clock, let alone. Sunday school at 9, 9, 9.30. And then for afternoon service at 3, and then an evening Bible study at 6, oh, that's quite unheard of, man. And it's shocking because later Paul mentions about not wanting to be rich. And we saw our richness in the Black community as being morally strong, 
we were very proud to go to school and you don't have the best clothes, but you had on clean clothes. You know, you 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 weren't the richest person, but you 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 paid attention at school. You 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 did what the teacher said. So we 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 had a lot to, as black people coming out of slavery and struggle. Uh, um, <clears throat> it makes me think of my uh, my dad, my parents. They grew up that way, where they would be in church all day. Um, hours and be in church almost every day of the week pretty much it was always something going on at church and now I'll be honest with you I couldn't even imagine <laughs> you know being in church all day I mean like after one service maybe after two services I'd probably be tapped out to be honest and I don't know why that is um I will I've it sound like a it sound fun you know especially if you have like a group of people, a group of young people that's like down and they just like, let's go. So why is it easier? Why does it feel easier to watch a two hour movie than it is to sit in a two hour service, you know, or to go from service to service? Why is it harder to do that than it is to, oh, I'm gonna go to this park and I'll meet you at this place. And what's the, what's the, what's the after party? What's the next move, you know, staying up to two, three in the morning. So it's like, well, where is the, the the deterioration? Where does that come from? So go, Uzi, you about to say something? Yeah, um, I think it's just really a matter of where your heart is at with the entire thing, because I think of how um, when I don't know about what, at least for me, I'll speak for myself. When I first became like a true follower of Christ, like I really gave my life to God. Um, the fire and thirst that I had was a lot stronger was probably, well, I, don't, I hope, I don't know if it was the strongest that it's ever been, but it was quite strong when I first became a believer and follower. So going to church, being in my word, listening to worship and all that stuff. Like I, I yearned and desired that deeply because I wanted to grow and learn about God and just spend time with them and, and know about him more. And because of that, being in the service that was longer, being in worship that was longer, reading or sitting or having like a quiet time that was long, didn't really seem like <clears throat> a crazy amount of time because it was just quality time that I was spending with God. Um, it's when I start to feed a different area in my life. Mm. So when I start feeding my flesh more instead of my spirit, man, my flesh becomes stronger for something else that's not related to God so that's why it can be easier to at some point become easier to sit through a two-hour movie versus the two-hour sermon because we've been feeding that side of our our body more of getting some type of pleasure that may not necessarily be a Christ thing and it's not that these things are bad <clears throat> It's just that when you begin to starve your spirit, man, it becomes easier to feed your flesh than feeding your spirit. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like we've been nowadays conditioned a certain way in the same way it's easier to get McDonald's versus getting some broccoli. You know, I don't know. It's like like Zeke says, like whatever you feed, that becomes that part of you becomes stronger. And now it starts to feel like a chore 
to even pick up your Bible and read a verse, you know, versus a person that is happily and willingly, you know, going to church. Now it's more so I'm going to church just so the pastor, I don't get a call from the pastor. Why you didn't show up? You know, it's like, where is your where is your heart? And then I guess relating it back to the text, it's like, what are you a slave to? You know, are you a willing uh, slave to Christ, letting him be the Lord of your life? Or are you a slave to money or junk food or whatever else it might be a thing that's replacing the uh, where God should be? You know, go off of what everybody else is saying. Um, I used to, when I was little, I had, you know, went to two or three services as well. Um, and, and to Zeke's point, I didn't feel like I was um, just going to go or just going to listen. I was going because I had that fire and desire to learn more about Jesus. And um, when you do and when you are all in, it's more of a, I don't care how long it takes. I want to know as much as I can. And I, and I run it. It's like um, the song that I listened to at, that I found at like, I think it was either Vacation Bible School or Revival, is that I will run to Jesus no matter what. Um, and I, I listen to that song often to keep that fire and desire going because I know it can go out due to all the distractions that we have in this world. Um, and then too, it's just a constant reminder to keep him ahead of my life despite any circumstances. Because as we know, when life starts to happen, when life starts to you know um, go the way we do, don't want it to go or trials and tribulations come our way, um, that's what we need to run more towards Jesus and not away and look at different problems and situations because then that's when you try to magnify the um, problem. We should be, we should be focusing and magnifying God. And he will get us through those current, current, um, future and past situations. So, um, but yeah, to y'all point, I think that you really have to just, just run for God. And then if you do feel like you slacked off or, um, you feel like you wasn't as close as you were before, you know, you was running to God, you know, what 110%, you can always, the best part about that is that you can always get back and, you know, to get to where you want to are. And that's the, that's the one thing about God that, um, that I really love is that no matter how far astray you get, you can always run back and, and keep going. And he, that gives you encouragement and being around community gives you encouragement um, as well to keep run, all running towards God together. I think it leads to um, the next set of verses actually kind of amaze me. It says, verse number three, yeah. Uh -huh. It says, teach these things, Timothy, and encourage everyone to obey them. Some people may contradict our teaching, right? But these are wholesome teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. These things promote a godly life. This is it's kind of shocking if you, you heard this, right? No matter what state of slavery you will be in. Anyone who teaches something different is arrogant and watch this lacks understanding. Now watch this. Such a person has an unhealthy desire to quibble over the meaning of words. This stirs up arguments ending in jealousy, division, slander, and evil suspicions. I think the biggest trick of Satan, and it's funny, I did this with, uh, with, with my wife the other day. I came to her, and, and let's be honest, let's everybody do this. If someone came to you and offered you knowledge, would you take that? Or if they offered you knowledge, 
would you take it? If they offered you what? If someone offered you knowledge, yeah. would you take that? And it could make you wise. Or if someone offered you life, what would you take? Ooh. Can you can you explain life? Like what what, what do you mean by life? <laughs> now, I love that, right? Because you asked the question, what do you mean by life? Mm-hmm. But if you go back and look at Adam and Eve, you don't hear anything of her going back and asking God about the tree of life. Because mm-hmm. you gotta remember the tree of life was in the garden at the same time mm-hmm. the tree of the knowledge of good and evil were. Right. But Satan offers you knowledge. Mm-hmm. And if you think about the world, people want to go after knowledge because they think that having more knowledge and wisdom will improve their life. Mm-hmm. You, you, you get what I'm saying? So a lot of us, I think, and we could even see it in the Black church, a lot of us begin to walk away from the church because people kept saying, well, the church teaches you that things are going to be good once you get to heaven. But it it doesn't teach you of any earthly good, right? I, I want something now. You know what I'm saying? I, I wanna I, I wanna have my house, my home, my suburban house. I want it now, right? And then he begins to talk about this later in the chapter, right? Don't don't be a person who is out trying to go out and get, you know, gain, right? Right, right. The love of money is kind of the root of all evil. Because if we think about what typically draws us away from God, it's our pursuit of worldly things, right? It's it's our pursuit of knowledge and, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and, and can we go do things? Can we go make money? Can we, you know, it's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Just interesting that his next topics are, hey, be careful, right? Don't don't, which is interesting because we know how just brilliant and smart Paul was. But then he also says in his writings that all things that he knew was like rubbish compared to, to, to the knowledge of Christ and him being crucified. I want to pose a question to everybody here. It says in verse four, such a person has an unhealthy desire to quibble over the meaning of words. This stirs up arguments, ending in jealousy, division, slander, and evil suspicions. Given our society today, where there is such an effort to redefine so many of the norms and morals of antiquity up to this point, does that statement still mean the same to you as it would have meant to them back then? If so, why? If not, why? Um, could you ask that question um, again in a simpler way? Yeah, I'm trying to remember it now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm trying to keep it succinct. What I mean is that given the fact that nowadays words are being redefined, okay, and in this scripture, in verse 4, it says, um, such a person has an unhealthy desire to quibble over the meaning of words. How does that apply to what you see in society today as opposed to how do you think his intent was when he wrote that? Does that help, Rian? 
a little bit. Okay. I well, I think oh, I'm I don't know if I'm answer it uh, correctly, but uh, I think that these kind the, these kind of people um, they have an undesired unhealthy desire to quibble over the meaning of words. Um, are the people that are maybe trying to find loopholes, um, people that are trying basically to justify their um, their actions, like why they do what they do, basically justifying their own desires and um, find um, basically justifying sin in a way you know, their, their own desires. And so it's, it goes back to, um, I think of now, like Adam and Eve was like, did God really say that? You know, is that what it really means? You know, and so it's like the whole deception thing of when we quibble over the meaning of words and the meaning of words is different. Now you got people confused and now you got people, you know, lacking understanding. And now it's like the Bible is seen in this certain view and it's like making people not want to read not people making people get like turned off by by god and it's almost that thing of like make your own meaning do what thou wilt do what feels good you know have it your way kind of thing um and so now you have now you have different interpretations now you have um different um, even denominations and now you have more division in the church than people actually following the Bible the way it should be followed um, because people want to do it their own way so they come up with these meanings to justify their own way um, which is is uh, is is dangerous that's I guess that's where my mind goes you know what's interesting about it go ahead Zeke go ahead Zeke um, I was just going to talk about at least the word quibble for a second because I didn't know what it meant um so this is defined it really just means to argue or raise concerns over over something or some type of matter um and it made me uh think about this I was watching a couple YouTube videos by this dude named Matt Walsh and he has a documentary called what is a woman yeah and he kind of goes around and asking a bunch of different people of what the definition of a woman is. Something that, I mean, seems quite quite simple to just, you know, define. And a lot of times you'll you'll have people say something like, well, it's kind of up to the individual. You really can't define it. It's on like a, a, spec, a spectrum of stuff. Um, and these are people who, you know, some are identifying as a woman, some have transitioned into a woman, some are women and gender studies uh like professors or majors or something like that and to me it's just like how are you not able to define the very thing that you're studying or identifying as and to me i, I think it also is like a like a disrespect and disservice to the actual women in this world who i kind of you know go through some some stuff and then now people can just like change who they are and, and be and just become a woman like I don't know but it, it just made me think about like how we how there's some people who don't think that the definition of a word itself is enough 
or there has to be a specific definition. Like you can't just use this dictionary and then it gives you the, the word. Because to me, it's just like, well, what's the purpose of, of us defining things if anybody can just kind of have their own interpretation or own definition of the word? So I don't know if it's worse then versus, well, I don't know. Part of me feels like it, probably, it, it may be worse now than it was then. But it definitely is something that, that obviously is still taking place of people not coming to some sort of agreement as to what, um, <clears throat> as to what a word means. But that was my thought. You can go ahead, Mr. Wright. Yeah, I was just I, I was just gonna say it's so interesting because like in that that Adam and Eve choice, right? It's are you really wanting to go after knowledge of good and evil and argue about it? And Satan wants you to argue about it and think about it and think about how smart you are and how brilliant you are versus the knowledge of life versus knowing God. You think about all of those arguments are like smoke screens and they, they, they take you away from God and they have you argue over in this area about things that aren't about God. And, and they get you to quibble with one another. So, so you're not even, you're not even looking at God <laughs> you, and you think you're getting smarter. You, you, you think this is making you wiser. And in reality, it's just throwing you in the darkness because later he says, and it, it's shocking, he says, he says, he says, so if they have, where is that? Uh, these people are always causing trouble. Their minds are corrupt. They have turned their backs on the truth. In, in other words, like you say, Z, the truth is the truth, right? A, a woman is a woman, a man is a man. That's the way, the way God made it, right? You know, why would you want to spend your time arguing about what it is, right? When God already defined and designed what it is. And you spend all the, I, I think it's just, a, it's like a smokes. And then he says, and this is amazing because you see this happen a lot, right? It says to them, a show of godliness, mm -hmm. a show of godliness. Like, like if I'm having this loving conversation where I'm being inclusive and allowing people to define, like, like, like Marquel has this song that he plays in youth ministry that blows me away where he says, how is it that you don't give a child the decision on when to go to bed? but you let them determine what their sex is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, it's madness, and, it, it, and it's pushing you away from the truth of the way things really are and, right. and who God really is, and he's the designer to this argument about, like, useless knowledge that in reality pushes you away from God. It's shocking to me. I'm just, I, I don't know. I'll let you guys... I got to add this real quick, if y'all don't mind me jumping just for a second. Uh, it That whole verse we were talking about just reading kind of takes me right to Romans 1, 21 and 22. Because it talks about, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. 
claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. If you don't see that in today's society, okay, we'll just pray for you that your eyes and your understanding be enlightened. But it's quite obvious, this whole, this whole discussion, I don't want to take over on that and take that down that road, but I, my question is to the, the you young men, do you see that or what do you see? What's happening out there, you know, and from the, what this passage I just read, and also the ones we were going over today, it talks about how the times, the things are going in the times in which we live. You see the parallels between then and now. Yeah, I mean, definitely see that in like how um, people try to create God into whatever they want it to be. They say God, the universe is God or the the nature, water or whatever is God or uh, all these different interpretations of, of, what, of what God is, who God is. And then you got also have those people who um, try to use God and take advantage of people for wealthy gain you know, prosperity preachers who pose like they have a lot of knowledge. And then even um, people who just be, just be spitting knowledge just to seem like they know a lot, but really don't have any kind of relationship. They just want to be seen in a certain light by people. And I think that um, I've been guilty of that in certain ways too, where it's like, yeah, I know these scriptures, or I know where this is at in scripture, but why am I telling people that? Like, how is that, how is that benefiting anybody by me showing off, you know, my knowledge about God? It's like, yeah, I'm getting that, that praise in, the, in that moment. And that'd be the only uh, reward I get is like, oh, wow, this person is knowledgeable about God, but I was only doing it just to benefit myself, seeking self-pleasure, seeking the praise of people rather than actually having the, um, uh, the goal to bring a person closer to Christ in a genuine and um, non-showy-offy way, non-prideful way. Um, I think that's more, that points more to godliness because we even see Christ being Christ, being who he was, uh, showed us how, you know, how, what humbleness looks like, you know? That the whole thing in I think in Philippians where he, him being God, knowing he was God, still took the, the role of a servant as lower than God, and so it's like following that example. Like you can have all this knowledge, but it's like, what's your what's your motive in telling somebody about, or sharing that knowledge with someone else? The, the fact that like, um, sometimes we don't like the truth or don't want to embrace it um because we we can sometimes prefer what's was not reality or what's fantasy or maybe more pleasurable um for us and sometimes I, I think about like my so like with my relationship with with Maya right now sometimes I can say stuff that is true but how I deliver it can kind of really sway the whole like conversation and how she may look at me or how she may feel in that moment so an example that has been kind of coming up recently um she has been like 
looking at venues and stuff for a wedding. And for me, it's like, well, hold on now. We're, I don't even have a ring for you yet. Like, why are you, you kind of skipping steps? You know, you going a little too fast. And so I, I had told her like, you're not even my wife yet. Like, well, we're not even engaged yet. Like, why are you, why are you doing this? And so that indeed is true, right? That is, that is indeed the fact. It's just that me saying it like that though, to her that comes off as like, um, I'm not serious about getting married or I don't look at her as like a wife or I'm still looking at her as just like this girlfriend or someone that's um, I'm not serious with. And so, yes, of course, that I'm, I'm speaking truth, but I think us as believers, we have to do a better job. We're just up as, up as oh, I'm sorry, us as men in general, just learning how to deliver truth and love and not in a way that is disrespectful or arrogant or comes off as like, you know, you being self-righteous or holier than thou. Uh-huh. But just being able to explain what truth is and being able to deliver it appropriately in a way that people can receive it and understand it and not feel like they're being attacked or being hurt or being seen as, as less than or something like that. Yeah, exactly. I just had, just had a thought. Did I just forget it? No. What you said? No, I didn't. I think I didn't. Uh, right, well, I, I think Zeke was like right on. I think, yeah, like we, we, we can know the truth, but what's the point of it? what's the point of, of having knowledge if you don't know even how to share it with somebody you know or um i think they yeah, have just being careful about it coming off um in a self-righteous way and i think what helps with that is like just keeping remembering that yeah like i'm, I'm saved by grace too <laughs> you know i'm you know remembering for me that i'm not uh this perfect person and the whole thing about treating others how you would want to be treated, having empathy, showing people grace, the same grace that was given to you, showing that to other people um, and trying to really listen to understand rather than listen, or I'm sorry, yeah, listen to understand rather than listening to respond. Because if you're listening, you already got a response in your head. Are you really listening and hearing what the person is coming from? Um, to be able to answer whatever question they have or concern they have, to be able to answer in the in the most appropriate way, we should always always be um, in love. Um, so, I do try to live in that like humbleness type of. Um, I try to create create and keep that humbleness type of mindset because it is easy to get. Um, like cocky and arrogant, especially in today's society when everybody else is doing it. I mean, if we just look at Instagram, um, that is one example. Uh, but also, too, just really talking to people. Uh, pe- one thing people love to do is talk about themselves. And you can get anybody to talk about themselves, which is which is very easy. Um, and, I, I, and I do this because, I mean, I do it for a living, so I understand how easy it is. Um, and even talking to friends, I can get them to talk about themselves for at least like 20 to 30 minutes without stopping um so one thing that helps me is that you know me realizing that yes i'm a sinner and god saved me so how dare i or how um yeah pretty much how dare i you know either judge somebody or or you know talk about somebody when i have my own stuff to deal with this with i i, I think that's incredible because 
it takes me down to verse 11, where, you know, after he talks about, okay, you know, you're, you're trying to, uh, you know, people try to chase after money. The love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, right? And um, he says, but you, Timothy, are a man of God. So run from all these evil things. He says, pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. And, 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 and I like what you guys just said. And Rihanna, I, lo I love what you just said, is that how do you listen to understand, right? And, and, that, and that, that's the whole role of a priest, right? So, so that's where, you know, where, where the priest failed, right? Where, where ultimately you aren't there to be worshiped by God. I like what you said, Eddie, right? You, you aren't there to be a priest, to be looked at as, wow, you're the priest and God made you the priest and you're the, the wisest. No, it says that as a priest in the book of Hebrews, you're there because ultimately you know that you have issues. You know that you have faults and that God has forgiven you so that you can understand that other people need forgiveness. And you know what I'm saying? So it, it's a it's a walk of trying to understand and and, and, and being a person's shoes and knowing that you've been forgiven. And, and then so you, in order to be a priest, that means like what Rian said, you've got to be willing to listen and understand how people really feel. What are they really, really, really going through? I also wanted to uh, to bring up the uh, to verse number 17, where it says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. And I guess wanted to see what y'all thought about that, like money being unreliable. <laughs> and um, I guess one of the first thoughts that came to me is like the, uh, uh, an example is um, we see what the, U, the, the value of the U.S. dollar in society now has gone down. And also depending on what country you go to, um, the value of the dollar can be up, it can be down, your money can be worth nothing, it can be worth a lot. And so why put your trust into something whose value can go up or down depending on the, on the day? And I thought like, you know, taking that versus God, you know, whose value never goes down, you know, it stays consistent, right? And so I think, I, when it said it was unreliable, that's kind of what I thought about. It's like I can um, make all this money, right? And then, it, and then at a certain point, I don't know how soon it's going to come. But even in Revelations, in the book of Revelations, it talks about how they, it's going to get to a point where people are throwing gold and money in the street because it's not going to be worth anything, right? And so it's like, and I don't know if it's like taking literal or, you know, that maybe we can, as, as with these Bible studies, we can do one on Revelations, which is going to be a something, that's going to be something. But the fact that it even says that, that people are going to be throwing their valuables in the street because it's not going to be worth anything. And how even at a certain point during this pandemic, there was a, a, coin, a coin shortage, right? And then, right, and then... Uh, and, and now for the majority of everything is now digital, or if like, if you have a, there's certain cash registers that don't accept any cash that if you don't have a card, then you is like out of luck pretty much. 
And so it's like, we see the value of money is like fluctuating all the time, inflation, you know, all these different things is going on with money. So why rely on money? But wanted to see what y'all's thoughts about that. If y'all had any other thoughts about money being unreliable. I think people rely on money so much because of some of the narratives that is taught within the world. Um, one being like money makes the world go around. Uh, or just how like money can provide security or it can be something that provides some type of resource but really in reality I mean, money is just a tool it really just based off of how you decide to use that tool we use it to invest we use it to give back we use it for selfish gain uh, how are you going to use that tool in this world and like you were saying um money for sure is uh, it, it fluctuates. It's not really something that um, is permanent. You know, you can lose it in an instant. And if your hope and trust is all within your money, it's just like, hey, but honestly, though, this is something that, that God has been kind of teaching me or getting me to, to uh, emphasize or just know in my life is that like, I need to just stop relying on this tool or this, this money as like a, a thing of access or a, a thing of security, but really my faith in God can do much more than what this dollar can do for me. Uh, Cause I, with me, like not really having a job right now, um, kind of just using my credit card for a bunch of stuff. Mm. Um, and just kind of hoping that when I finally do start working, like everything will be smooth and that I'll, I'll be good. I'll have security and other stuff like God can, contain me and use me and sustain me and protect me right now regardless of how much money that I have like he can use he can use me he can guide me he can provide for me now but he can also do it when I have a bunch of money so it doesn't really matter at what point I am with, with my finances yes yeah, a great thing yes yeah, a great tool to have but if I don't have my faith and reliance on God then my money is an idol and I'm more so dependent on what's in my bank account as opposed to what's in my heart I think if you read it, I mean, if you read it, it says, uh, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money. It says, don't trust in it because it's unreliable. The trust should be in God who richly uh, gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. It should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. Um, by doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. I think money is, uh, like, like Zeke said, it's a tool. And, uh, and either it will rule you or you will uh, rule it. Mm. Um, <laughs> and the strong desire to amass it uh, can is, is, Jesus says it's the only other master besides uh, God. That's the desire to amass riches, right? But if you notice, he's telling you, and just think about it, I think this is one thing that I always try to emphasize. Um, don't go get money uh, to do nothing with it. 
the church the church runs on money right <laughs> it runs on tithes it runs on offerings right you need a place to sit you need a place to go you need gas to get there you need money to get to the trip to go to um you know cedar point so be, joseph literally delivered uh, because he had great faith in god through finances that's how he delivered egypt right mm -hmm. so, so, so so be really careful with money right don't don't let it lead you and guide you but be very generous with your money right the, the tithe is the basic and i know people will, will say in the world that okay that's old testament no it's not um abraham gave a tithe <laughs> before there before there was a law right it's are you willing to give god back just a tenth right in order to establish his covenant it's almost like god saying i'm going to give you this money i'm going to give you the money because i i i own all things and are you really willing just think about it it's the king saying are you really willing to give me back a tenth just a tenth <laughs> the the us government wants like 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 28 to like 30 some percent of it to, to run the us government your state wants like four or five percent of it god's just saying i just want to you know teach you and train you are, are you really willing to give back just a tenth <laughs> mr bright i think you i think you really said it though when you when you um say be generous with it because if you're generous with it then you know like okay i'm i, I do have all this money but I'm going to, you know, pay for somebody gas one moment, or I'm a, um, of course, tithe, or I'm a, um, I see a lady struggling, I'm a, you know, help her or feed her kids or whatever the case may be. And that will, one, keep you humble again. Also, too, to let you know that, yes, more is coming, but I know I'm going to do good with it, you know? So that, 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 uh, that was good. Yeah, I think, um, for, for me, a great indicator of when something has become an idol or let's say money is if like, um, like uh, if I have like a, 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 like this huge like breakdown, if it didn't happen, like if I was expecting something to happen, like money wise, and then it didn't happen. And I just like, just break down. And I'm just like, oh my God, like life is over, all these different things. It's like, okay, at that point, I was becoming reliable on it or relying on it. And my trust was in it, where it's like, okay, once I get it, I'll be good. I'll be safe. I'll be secure. And it's like, well, God provides all of that, you know? And, um, and so, yeah, I think uh, I'm more so wanting to get to the point um, where it's like, if it doesn't happen, great i'm cool if it does happen great i'm cool you know because i have everything we have everything we need um in god who said that he would never leave us or abandon us continue to guide us um even through the hardest of times we don't know what's going on or what we're going or what's going to happen next somehow some way something comes up at the last minute of the hour, that will be just enough for whatever you got to take care of. 
so it's just interesting how life works and like i think it was i was just talking um they're texting about uh that i think with uh, quill yesterday about you know how sometimes um these things happen to grow our faith make us stronger and uh i was thinking about that reflecting about that when we, we was having that this conversation about money so one thing i noticed is that um people you read the scripture and it talks about not trusting in your riches and yet and still and i'm not saying you shouldn't have a retirement account mm. okay i'm not saying you shouldn't save money and you should but don't put your faith and hope and trust in the ira the 401k or your savings account as much as you put your faith hope and trust in the god that's providing for you allowing you to have the 501k the 401 etc etc retirement account because at any point in time he could tell you to empty it out and give it to someone really kind of to allow him allow himself then to bless even greater but we don't see that because we don't we don't see the end from the beginning we only see the beginning mm. and so it's, it's a way to trust god knowing that um he'll provide for you in the midst of it that he owns it anyway he's just loaned it to you as a, as a steward to manage it and so our money is unreliable because if you look at the way the stock market been fluctuating and everything else you can see people in one day could lose everything if it all drops yeah. But then where would their faith and hope and trust be for the next meal, preparing the light bill and everything else? You gotta trust God more than anything else. And you saw that with the uh the Great Depression. Yeah. When the market just collapsed and people's and you see that with people with um the government talking about getting rid of social security and you know, all these different things. It's like when the Great Depression happened. And even when the recession happened, people lost money. People were literally committing suicide, you know, because their whole life was tied to their money, their wealth, their whole identity was tied to their money and how much they had. And it's like, it's funny because it says godliness with contentment is great gain. I, the people, this is, this is, I've learned this lesson. The people who panic and trusted money during downturns lose because they get really scared and they sell everything. The people who during downturns really trust in God are really content actually gain because they typically live lives where they're not trying to go out and showboat and tell people they have a ton of money. And then when things just crash, God just gives everything over into their hand because everything is cheap. So the people who are really content with God and are willing to be different, how can I say that? Who don't want to drive the best cars or have the biggest houses or wear the fanciest clothes, but are just content with living. And, and people who really embrace who God designed them to be. Most people who are extremely rich tend to be people who be who God designed them to be. They're, they're, they, they, they don't take the typical path most people take. And, and, and they have great trust. And a lot of them can be like very generous. There are people in the other extreme that their whole desire is just to make as much money as possible and, and to show you they've made as much 
money as, as possible. But godliness with contentment, think about Joseph. Joseph could have at any time, I mean, he's a ruler of Egypt. He could have at any time gone down and told his brothers, see me now? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He could, yeah. have, he, he could have at any time done that. But he was content. And he was actually content being a slave because he wasn't a he he wasn't the ruler of Egypt. You know, uh, Pharaoh said, "Hey, listen, yeah, you sit in the seat of authority, but I still hold the crown." Remember that. Right? He was content, but Joseph was probably. I mean, if you look at probably one of the richest people ever in the world, right now, Solomon on the other side was of the other extreme. Solomon was incredibly rich, but he fell to his riches. He fell to his lust. He fell to his lust to the point where he went out and built all of his concubines and all of his foreign wives, places for them to worship other gods. Right? He, he built a, in, in today's society, he built like a, 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 a like an extreme condo right? for all of his side chicks. Right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'm sure, you know, they, so there, there's the extremes. If you do what God designed you to do and you're content with it and you're not trying to chase the rest of the world, and then you do realize that money is not everything, you, you'll you find out that money is everything when you check, like, uh, like Pastor Pitt said, your 401k, your bank accounts uh, um, statements every other day. When when When, when you're content, you may not check it for months and you don't care, right? And 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 then you check it and you're kind of shocked. Wow, it grew, God grew it that much, much. Don't let it rule you, but rule it. Be generous with, be, be generous with your mind. And be and be who God designed you to be. Don't be scared to be who God designed you to be. Don't let people tell you that, well, because you know you you play an instrument, you're never gonna make any money. Because that, that's just knowledge that's gonna go make you do something that. God never designed you to do. Don't say because I don't. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm not caring for people, and I just really want to love people and solve their problems. That that God won't take care of you doing it. No, you'll find out that your specific skill set is required by God to help somebody do something, and you'll do. And, and God will take care of you, and you'll do. You'll do well. You'll you'll do very well. But anytime you go chase what the world tells you to chase, you're in trouble. That was good. <laughs> And I, I think that's uh, I think that's a good note to like to cap all this whole conversation on. I think in this with this being the end of First Timothy, like him, Paul giving the final instructions to to Timothy, I think is something that I think we'll revisit us as I mean young young and old, but I, I especially the uh, I guess us the with the younger generation us coming up, I think this is really good instructions for us to adhere by. Um, so thank you, uh, Mr. Bright, Pastor Pitts, you know, for, you know, ch chiming in as much as y'all did and everyone else on today. Um, and so as we close out, does anybody have any last minute thoughts? Yeah, I just want to, I want to thank you guys. This is, this is you guys. These are young men. Yeah. yeah. That you guys don't realize how ins in in inspirational you guys are to us, right? Yeah. I, I I mean, Marquel is teaching at youth ministry, and it is so powerful. 
right? You, you, it's you guys. It's, it's you guys are young, you know, black men, right? Who, who are who are who are doing it, man, right? And, and who have chased God, man. You guys are inspiration. Don't you got you guys are the Timothys, right? So 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 we just encourage you guys mm-hmm. continue continue in the faith, man. Just yeah, and avoid godless, foolish discussion. <laughs> Because there are plenty out there. So, uh, with that, with all that being said, are there any uh, any prayer requests? As we wrap up this episode, we just want to thank you all for tuning in, and we just hope that you stay tuned. Stay tuned for more episodes as we continue to kick this out, continue doing this in the future. And while you're at it, follow us on Instagram at we are K four C. Again, on Instagram, follow us at we are K four C. And along with that, share with family and friends. And we hope that this is not the last time that you've taken the time to hear Kings for Christ. Until next time.